Hey, welcome to the Charismatic Dirtbags podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my co-hosts and co-dirtbags, David Alcazar and Truman Forehand. You guys aren't dirtbags. I always have to give that caveat uh, every week. They aren't dirtbags, but they are my students at Union University. And, and if there's one thing we love talking about, we love talking about a lot of things, as evidenced by the last half hour of conversation that was so easy and free. Uh, but we also love talking about rock stars, which is what we do on this show. Uh, it's called Charismatic Dirtbags because we believe that about the best of rock stars, uh, that they are charismatic and they're a little dirtbaggy at times. And we have taken a grid of questions that we run a new rock star through on every episode. And this one, boys, uh, is kind of near and dear to me, not because I love this band or this person, but because this person was such a part of the experience of the 90s and growing up in the early 2000s, he's become an icon of like a certain kind of dad record, like dad rock. Uh, and it's Bono of U2. So we're talking a little Bono today. There was a whole thing in the early 2000s called Bono fatigue, where it was like a like a real like diagnosable thing where you were just sick of Bono. Um, so, boys, I'm going to start us off with the first question. And I'm fascinated to hear this from you guys. What's your experience with this person? So how do you know Bono? How did you become aware of Bono? Uh, Alcazar, let's start with you. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> the thing with Bono is he's, he's huge. Yeah. He's totally different than other huge rock stars from decades past. So my experience with, with Bono was, I mean, through U2, mm-hmm. was I, I got an iPad as a kid and had Apple Music on it. <laughs> and I was like, who is this band that's yeah. in... I don't want to listen to this dad music. Yeah. I want to listen to, I don't even know what I was listening to when I was 12, but yeah, um, my, it was just this weird, like, this isn't for me kind of thing, but it's yep. being forced on me. Yep. Uh, my dad is a huge U2 fan, but there was never this, like, let me pass this on to you yeah. experience. It was more of just, this was his thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think people feel that way about U2. You know, even dads who like it. I don't know that a lot of them are passing it down. It's not a fun pass it down experience, yeah. um, but a lot of dads do like it. I have a follow-up question on the iPad thing. Yeah. So was your experience with the iPad similar to mine with an iPhone where I bought one of them and like the U2 record just comes preloaded on it, so it starts playing automatically? No, that was exactly it. it was it was like, yeah. Growing up at this specific time I grew up, it was like that was the coveted thing. You get the yeah. iPad. So I yeah. got the iPad. And... Very coveted. And you're feeling good. You're walking a little taller with that iPad. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't really do anything with it. No, like not a thing. With it yeah, in, right. In your room. But <laughs> yeah. I was very excited. And yeah, it's just there. It yeah. really, it's just this thing that was in the back of my head yeah. all growing up just because it was there. But I never listened to it, never gave it much thought. Yeah. Um, and Did it, it? Oh, sorry. So it didn't fill you with white hot rage when you would like plug in the iPad or whatever and it would just automatically start playing, which is an experience that I have. Probably once a week to this day. It's completely <laughs> mysterious. I throw the phone in my car expecting for the podcast that I'm listening to to come on. But once in a while, the U2 record comes on. And dude, I've tried to delete this thing. I've tried to re-delete it. I'm a bit of an old man, probably vis-a-vis the tech. There's probably an easy way to do it. But um, it comes on. It fills me with white hot rage. And I want to, for a split second, throw my phone out the window. Um, Honestly, I've don't really have that experience like it, yeah. it definitely happened but it's yeah. just more of a minor frustration and it, it isn't something where i think of that as like a yeah thing that happened i think for me the pathology is i've already done my time with bono yeah like i've put i've put the work in i've put the decades in why do i have to do this again you know like i'm in my 40s 
I should be done with this. And then, uh, and then it's on the iPhone. So Trudes, what's your experience with this rock star? It's very similar to David's in that, like, so I didn't have the iPad experience specifically, but, um, you know, I was, I was like homeschooled growing up, straight yeah. family, wasn't allowed to have a phone until a certain age. Yep. I listened to music on my parents' phones. There you um, go. And get on my parents' phone. I'm going to listen to songs. Yeah. YouTube is there for yeah. some reason. And the Well, f- let's talk about the reason. Can we for a second? <laughs> Are your parents yeah. big U2 fans? I wouldn't, they don't strike me as No, YouTube. definitely not. It was, it was the same as you. It was the yeah. stuff that was automatically in everybody's Apple Music library. I actually have a theory on this, though, vis-a-vis your parents, maybe both of your parents, and it's this. For a certain kind of evangelical kid, which I was as well in the 80s and 90s, and this goes back a ways, right? For whatever reason, our parents perceived U2 as sort of Christian, and I mean sort of Christian as sort of Christian. Like, they definitely weren't like DeGarmo and Key or Petra or these, like, outwardly Christian bands. But our parents somehow, and I don't know why. I don't, I don't know if it's because they had a song with the word Sunday in it or what the deal was with U2 being perceived as Christian, but they were. I believe... Well, Bono bon- is yeah, Christian. Bono is yeah. Okay. Christian. Yeah. Um, and that's also... It's, I think that's a universal experience, and it just depends on what when you're growing up. Because I had yeah. an experience, too, where... Strict family at a certain point they were strict and they wanted yeah. to only listen to Christian music. And then it was how can I find bands that aren't Christian? Yeah, are letter of the law Christian? not yeah letter of the law yeah. not spirit. So you're you're experimenting with like some Anne Berlin and like <laughs> you you know you're. Well, uh, I, I somehow Twenty One Pilots was the band. That's it. Yeah, dude, they are the U two of your generation, kind in of. which is a certain kind of Christian dad loves them. Yeah. Right. And that self-same dad is like allowing you to experience it as sort of your like gateway drug into secular music. Oh, it's 15, fascinating. 20 years from now, absolutely. They're going to be dads who are like, hey, you got to check out 21 Pilots. <laughs> totally, dude. Totally. Um, yeah, this is fascinating. Trudes, I stepped on your experience with Bono. Though. No, you, no, were, you were assessing it. Out. I mean, that, that's what that's what it was. was the first mm-hmm. one was just finding it. You know, it's automatically in the Apple Music library. Mm-hmm. Didn't want it there. I listened to like one song from it and was like, I'm not really rocking with this. Yeah. Uh, but you couldn't delete it. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't there. Yeah. Um, like there was no delete button. Yep. Uh, but but culturally, my experience with it beyond that is just like what I knew about them at the time mm-hmm. was kind of what you were saying, David. It was the whole thing where it's like this is vaguely Christian or at least Christian adjacent right. enough for me to know what it is. Yep. Because they're the ones who kind of like you know they were they were the OG guys of the whole like you know we're not we don't Christian. play Christian music but yeah. we're Christians who are in music. We're not, we're not yeah. A, yeah. We're not a Christian rock band. We're Christians in a rock band. Dude, which was an amazingly smug distinction that people yeah. loved making in the 90s. The 90s was like Apex Mountain for that distinction coming up in conversation. We talked about being fake deep in the 90s and how it was a requirement to be fake deep and to be able to do like the three minutes in the coffee shop to like show people how deep you are. This was one talking point of that. You had to be able to talk about how you don't like Christian music because it's uncool to like that. But you like you too because there's there are Christians who are in music, right? Um, Which is not only what people say about Bono and YouTube, but that that's what Bono and YouTube say. Yeah, that's right, dude. Yeah, and that was sort of a, like a cutting edge thing to be back when they were the first guys who were doing it. So my experience with YouTube was one where. My parents didn't really fight the music battle, which is interesting, because um, there were a lot of other hills they were dying on, but but music wasn't one of them. And so I, I kind of, at a certain age, I got free reign to sort of listen to whatever I wanted. And again, this is Indiana. This is the late 80s, early 90s. There was a certain kind of 
somewhat cool guy who would listen to U2 records. And they were like early U2 records back when they were this sort of like punk act singing about like, I don't know, Irish politics or whatever. And you were you were kind of into it. It made you feel 30% smarter, which was important. Um, I never really loved the music. Like it didn't speak to me or do anything for me on a personal level. But I liked thinking of myself as the kind of guy who had a couple of U2 records in his collection. You know what I mean? So that it wasn't all like Poison and Motley Crue and like meathead music. So um, that was one experience. But then going through the 90s, becoming a young adult in the early 2000s, Bono getting into the activism and he's all of a sudden like the poster boy for all these issues. And like then if you were a certain kind of and the term social justice didn't have all the baggage that it has now. It was still kind of an early term 20 years ago. It was kind of new. And if you were the kind of person who purported to care about that stuff at all, it was kind of important to like you too and important to like Bono and like what he was doing. But then people got really sick of him. And Bono, and this is, this is another question that's sort of off book, but I want to hear you guys on it. Bono became the first rock star that I can think of that like people got sick of in a wholesale way and where his, his kind of version of himself, it outstripped even like we, we put up with a lot of outlandishness from rock stars, right? They can do ridiculous things. And in fact, we like it when they like, I don't know, throw a TV out a window or like, uh, I don't know, get into some tabloid thing or whatever, but Bono sort of being a professional great guy, um, just sort of got all, it got on everybody's nerves at the same time, and it was a really funny pathology. Do you guys have anything to say about that? Well, I think what happened is, you know, if if what we're ta- you know we're talking about whole you know charismatic dirtbag, yeah, this yeah. is what we want or don't want from rock stars. People are okay with rock stars being cooler than them, yeah, but they're not okay with rock stars being better than them. That's so true. Keep going. Like, in fact, you almost want them to be worse than you. Yes. Because they're living a wholly different kind of life. It's the one way that you can feel superior, yeah. right? It's yeah. Like, I'm a better person than this guy, even though he's, you know, better looking and more charismatic. Better looking, makes more, more money, money than I'll ever have. Yeah. He's known the world round. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't want a rock star who's like, also, I'm better than you. And yes. the whole, like, every time I clap, somebody dies. Like, the yeah. whole, like, you know, that shtick. Exactly. Yeah, and Bono kind of made it his job to be better than us. And if you're from Indiana and you have a chip on your shoulder anyway about everybody thinking they're better than you, Bono doing it professionally was like, it was a real kick in the teeth. But uh, Alcazar, your thoughts on that before we work through the questions? I think Trudy is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And I think the way I view it is like, people like, I think an example of this, and we should definitely talk about him on the podcast, but like people like when Kurt Cobain is being edgy on stage and being like, this social issue that I care about is a big issue. Right, right. And like, there's definitely a very clear avenue for rock stars to do that. But once it it kind of it was all consuming. Yeah. Is he's just like I'm this, this It's holy my it's man. his thing twenty four seven. Yeah, and you like dude, there's even something kind of goofy and kind of self referential about rock stars doing the activism thing. It's almost like a ha ha. Yeah. And like if right, like if Cobain does it once in a while or if, you know, somebody from Motley or Poison or whatever is like you know, listen to me talk about this issue for three minutes, you're almost like, yeah. It's a certain kind of rock star flex, but Bono doing it the whole time. I think a perfect example of it is, because every year, it's, it's that season again, it's Oscar season. Yeah. Noms are out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I always watch the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I care about movies. I want to see what's re- awarded. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I get invested because films I like get nominated. Mm-hmm. But it, the, a ceremony is always like a super rich person kind of wagging their finger about a social cause. Totally, dude. And it's so irritating. I wish you guys could go back to when the Oscars were fun, i.e. like when I was in high school and college. And it was like you would throw an Oscars party. Yeah. And you would have a bunch of people over, and it was always like somebody really funny hosting it, and kind of roasting people, and kind of doing some banter with the audience. Dude, there was no performative like virtue signaling at all. It was a blast. Um, but yeah, those days are long gone, unfortunately. And I think Bono helped usher in this era of like, hey, don't forget what a great guy I am. Well, even even I think there's forms of it that people can accept from celebrities and forms that people can't. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's somebody like Cobain or you know a, you know ton of tons of of rock artists and artists generally have done it. But the thing that you can accept, I think, is when like the celebrity or the artist is saying like, "Hey, we're all going to kind of fight the man on this," mm-hmm. right? And that's what Kurt Cobain did. Whereas with Bono. It was never like fighting a social issue. It was always more like a charity type deal. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like it, it's not we're gonna fight the man. It's mm-hmm. look at how compassionate I am. Yeah. And like look at how much money we're giving. Yeah. Even he's asking you to give money, and he's the one with all the money. Right. And fighting wanna... the man is rock star. Yeah. But being a great guy isn't necessarily a rock star yeah. move. Um, or a dirtbag move. It's fascinating. You had a you had a thing out because Oh yeah, I think if you want a biblical example, I don't want to call him necessarily a Pharisee, but no one likes the kind of yeah person who prays in public. Sure, you know, yeah. and I think that's what he's doing, dude. But so this is fascinating, and we could we could go down like all kinds of digressions, and I want to do one. Tim Tebow was that guy praying in public. Like don't don't do your you know your praying before men. Tebow's like. Hold my non-alcoholic beer while I do all my praying before men, right? So, and he made this his brand. It was literally like on the t-shirts and it was the whole thing. And people adored him for it. Now, I think the difference is, and I want to hear true Jew on this because you're a sports guy too. Like, Tebow was only really in the, the consciousness for like a three, four year run. Um, Bono was around for three or four decades, and I think it's a different level of fatigue that kicks in when somebody's around that long. But talk about that difference, because at at first blush, they they were kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. there are a few big differences. The first one would be, yeah, mm-hmm. it would be what you said, is that people just didn't have as long to get tired of Tebow's shtick. Yeah. Uh, the other thing would be that there's also there's a lot more that we can tolerate from an athlete on that level because mm-hmm. athletes are a lot closer to being normal people. Yeah. And that most of them come from normal backgrounds, normal mm-hmm. upbringings and you know then they're kind of reaching this level. Yeah. And so there's a lot more normal person kind of an energy there. Like you know, they're not always hot, they're not always cool. Yeah. They're just good at a thing. That's right. Um and then the other part of that is I think Tebow is kind of a joke. Yeah. Like he was popular within a certain community for right. a little while. Yeah, but, now he's got a book out every month that sells at yeah. Michael's, you know, and your mom reads it, you and, know. And even as a sports analyst, he's yeah. not very good. Nobody cares what Tim Tebow has to say on ESPN or whatever. Correct. Like, he became a punchline mm-hmm. once he was done. Yeah. So it even happened to him. Yeah. Yeah, the greatest thing about Tebow, and people will hate me for this, was how he played football. Like, he was an absolute stud, dude. He was a warrior. He would go at you. Um, and all the other stuff came with it. So, all right, for Bono. What is his greatest rock star quality? So when you think about Bono, when you think about what makes a great rock star, what's his greatest quality? Alcazar, we'll start with you. 
Um, and this is, I should caveat this with, I have very little Bono. Actual boots on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Doc Martens on the ground experience <laughs> with Bono. Yeah. Yeah, but what I have heard, and my both my parents saw YouTube live. Yeah. Um, and I think my mom, my mom was actually telling me recently that she rediscovered live music because she hadn't gone to live shows in a while. She went to a Lumineers show yeah. with my sisters and fell back in love with going to see a show. That's and a super was, cool thing. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she was telling me that U2 Live was kind of unreal. Yeah. It was like they were doing, and it, if you listen to their music, it's very evident just in the music, is that they're making music for stadiums. Yeah. And even if it's not your thing, it's undeniable that if they play that song yeah. or any of their songs in, a, in yeah. a stadium, it's going to resonate. Yeah. Which is why they have so many fans, right? Yeah. Um, and to this day, you'll have middle-aged people going to see U2 concerts. Yeah. Um, and so I think his greatest <laughs> attribute is that he can do that. Yeah. And not everyone can. Yeah. Not every band has that gear. And it is impressive. Whether you love the music or not, it's really impressive. They do a great job of it. The song Where the Streets Have No Name, which was kind of the 9-11 song, it was around before that, but it but it kind of became the 9-11 anthem. Dude, that one wrecks me. That does it for me every time. I absolutely love it uh, without qualification. So, yeah, they do bring a certain something. Trude's greatest rock star quality for Bono. I think there's two of them. Mm-hmm. One of them is I do think he is genuinely like a generationally talented performer. Like, yeah. The energy, the level of buy-in that he has, the level of buy-in he can get from the crowd, yeah, the energy, all of the personas that he created for himself, yeah, like the point where he he was like, my persona isn't enough anymore. I need to create self-referential personas, and he right. had like the fly and stuff with yeah. the full leather outfit, and things yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Like he was and is a showman, yeah, and I think that's a big part of it. And the yeah. other part is like, despite the fact that it gets annoying, uh-huh. it has gotten annoying. I think he, like his whole shtick is sincere I think I think it is because yeah like if you if you read what what Nick Stewart the guy who kind of discovered and signed them so mm-hmm. he, he wrote a, a thing in in British GQ yeah talking about that and he talks about what it was like the first time he saw them when they were a nobody act and yeah they were performing and everything and they were just kind of like a little regional sensation yeah and it was like it was same Bono it was same you too yeah as what blew up and he's so playing this little pub in front of 20 people like yeah. it's Wembley Stadium. Yeah, and he's yeah. playing it with the same with the same energy as a performer but also with yeah. the same like with the same, you know, charity semi-Christian. Yeah. Good guy shtick. Yeah. And so, you know, it for better or for worse it was real. Yeah. No, that's, I That's I why agree. I wish he was more self-aware cuz mm-hmm. it seems that he's very earnest about like I think he genuinely cares about a lot of these issues. Yeah. He just doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he just he, he needs some PR. Yeah. Um, to maybe frame it better. Yeah. Well, and it, and it's interesting though. Somebody who has a massive audience and then gets into the issues game after the fact, like he probably didn't think of himself as someone who needed PR because he was adept at filling stadiums. You know. You can come into a city and have 70,000 people forking over 100 bucks to go sit in a room with you, you know. But, but yeah, being the good guy, especially in the social media age where being any kind of a public guy is now fraught with like 900 mistakes you can make before breakfast, you know, it's, um, it's gradations more complicated than it used to be. Uh, I think Bono's greatest rock star quality. Um, you guys have touched on some great ones. I... I do think it's sincerity. And so to be a rock star and to sell whatever it is that you're trying to sell to an audience, 
you have to first believe it about yourself. It's why, like, the ironic guys never really make it, right? And, like, Weezer has made it further <laughs> than than any other group of, like, kind of sneering, ironic hipsters have ever made it. And I, I tip the cap to them for that. But, like, you're not... You're not going to a Weezer show at Nissan Stadium. You know what I mean? It's just not happening. They're topping out maybe at arenas. But, yeah, like, you're going to a U2 show at Nissan because you want to see U2. And you want to see Bono do Bono things for two hours. And that requires a certain kind of, like, believing it about yourself before you can sell it to anyone else. I think he's really good at that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the early U2 aesthetic, kind of the, like... Irish punk rock kid vibe. Yeah, very scrappy. Um, it was very scrappy. I enjoyed that. The boots, the jeans, the whole thing. And like, yeah, being an uncool kid from Indiana, sort of, who's roughly, I don't know, just a few years younger than those guys. They were, uh, I enjoyed their vibe and their look in the in the early years especially. But uh, all right, next question. What do we got here? Um, what holds... This is an interesting one because he's been so massively successful and he's quite old. What what would hold Bono back? I, I think this is interesting to think about in, in terms of Bono. Um, Alcazar, get us started. I, I mean, has anything held him back? He's not, he's, he keeps going. Let me, let, me, let me ask you, let me frame it this way. Like, in a world in which almost every straight, white, middle-aged man who even claims to be Christian adjacent has gotten, if not canceled, then like kind of summarily dismissed by pop culture. He's managed to not do that yet. Like he's still around. And how is he still around? I think he, he's just <laughs> not doing any any of the culture war stuff. Yeah. Idiot. Which, Which is, is fascinating. It's interesting. Fascinating yeah. move, yeah. Yeah. I would have expected him to be right in the middle of it, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Either going hard one way or the other. Yeah. 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 No, no middle ground for Bono. Right, right. Um, yeah, honestly, I think we've already seen it. He held himself back because of the weird, I'm a good guy shtick. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind yeah. of where he's at now. Yeah. Now, I think he there's nothing really holding him back. He's got all the money in the world. He, yeah. He, he has it, the fan base that he needs yeah. to keep playing. Yeah. Um, and he, he's at the age where a rock star is like, look, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. He, same same thing with um, a Mick Jagger, right? Yeah. He's still around. He's doing stadium tours, doing Mick Jagger karaoke. And yeah. people love it, though. Yeah. For uh, the same reasons. Yeah. So he's arrived at where he's going to. He's not going to get any higher than he is now. Sure. Um, yeah. He's not looking to make a next move that's going to, like, further expand the audience or yeah, whatever. The career isn't going any higher than it already has. I think if anything's holding him back, it's that um, he just might really just fizzle out totally. Yeah. Um, hey, where, this is a question for you guys because I'm not on social. Where is Bono? Like, how is he playing the social media thing? That's is he, is he on there? Let's find out. Like, I have no inkling of this whatsoever. If the, he is, I've never seen him on there. I'm going to get him. I'm going to pull up Instagram, Bono. Pull it up. To me, and th- this kind of coheres with Instagram and social media and what could potentially hold him back, I think it would just be accidental cancellation. So Bono's given an interview with, I don't know, NBC or whatever, and he messes around and like says the wrong thing accidentally about like 
I don't know, pick an issue. But he, he accidentally comes down on the wrong side of something, and then and then the, the media machine sort of eviscerates him, which they've probably been waiting to do for years. I don't know. I think it would be accidental cancellation. Trudes, what holds Bono back, potentially, in your mind? Uh, hold on, guys. There's, a, he's, there's an interview of Bono and the Pope talking. Solid. On their Instagram. Uh, uh, last December. So Dude. He personally does not have Twitter. It's just you two. Okay. Same thing with Instagram. So that probably helps him. <laughs> YouTube's Twitter. What is that looking like? Are they retweeting some NBA highlights, or what? What are we looking at there? It's pictures from tours, pictures from yeah. fans, pictures from old tours. Okay. And then with the occasional like they posted for like MLK Day. Dude, where does? Okay, this this is an interesting rock star question. Where does having an audience with the Pope and letting people know about it rank in the pantheon of like rock star flexes? It's up there. I think it's a huge flex, dude. I kind of am, am into it. <laughs> like, Honestly, I the more I... Because you know, we're kind of clowning on him today. We are. But the more I... It's kind of endearing. Dude, the more I have this experience, the more I'm into it. Yeah. The, I mean, look at him. He's, got his, he's still got his earring in. He's still got the hair dyed. Dude, all right. Let's do... <laughs> Let's do two minutes on the on the colored glasses, okay? Because the they've always been there. They've always been there. The colored Bono like sunglasses, or is he going shooting? These are like these are like skeet shooting glasses, aren't they? Like it's well, it's weird to me. The fly persona had had genuinely dark sunglasses, but yeah. So, so there's a there's a departure. On yeah. The books. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I'm out on the colored glasses. I think you gotta. This might be my answer. This might be what holds him back. You got to evolve past that, and you you gotta you gotta realize nobody's doing this, and it doesn't look good. And like maybe I shouldn't, um, dude. To our earlier conversation, you just got a text from other Mexican. Uh, yeah. So oh. my <laughs> my friend Josiah. Um, mm. When I first came to Union, I'm. I'm part Hispanic. He's part Mexican as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very white campus. Yeah. So there's a joke in our friend group that, mm-hmm. you know, we're the only Mexicans at Union, which isn't yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so he's in my phone as other Mexican. <laughs> I'm in his phone as other Mexican. There you go. So Well done. Yeah. 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 Nice, boys. <laughs> See, if Bono texted, if Bono had somebody in his phone called other Mexican, that would get him canceled. Yeah. Like if he was at a dinner with like, you know, Greta Thunberg and like Joe Biden and, and I don't know, the Pope, like they, they would see that and it'd be, it'd be problematic. You that's know, that's true. That's true. Yeah. To your point about an audience with the Pope though, you can yeah. probably count on one, maybe two hands. How many, you know, musical artists. Ever right, have dude. That? Like who else got that? Like, I don't know. Did Elvis Presley Elvis? get it? Yeah. Somebody's going to well actually us on this because they know more than know. we Elvis do on talked it. talked to Nixon. He probably could have talked to the Pope. I bet he talked to the Pope, dude, at some point. But I think there's a difference between meeting the Pope and yeah. having an audience talk That's to right. That's right. That is yeah. true. Yeah. A lot of people are probably, like, shook hands with the Pope or whatever. But, like, yeah, having a sit-down, recording it, having it be a thing, um, that might be rarefied Bono-level stuff, and I kind of respect it. Well, I think Bono having a, an audience with the Pope and Bono not being, like, controversial or canceled or saying anything mm-hmm. that would you know would get him those things yeah has to do like it has to do with his weakness but also it's it's where his weakness becomes a strength a little, yeah. a little bit i think yeah in that like his weakness is being corny and kind of getting you to roll your eyes yeah but as a part of that that's the most extreme reaction he can get out of you yeah you're gonna roll your eyes but you're not gonna hate it because yeah. the thing he chooses to focus on as a visible Christian 
has only ever been like, you know, giving money to the poor or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. And like he was bad at it, and he didn't yeah. say it very well. But also, it's hard to be like you're a bad person if you want to give. No, money to totally, the poor. dude. Yeah, and and maybe you guys follow it more than me. Has he taken the like? turn into horrible theology do we know where he's at theologically like he, he i don't know where i he, i don't think he, he has start a, he doesn't have a well, i don't know theology beyond, that's yeah I think, like loving people and giving to the poor yeah i think you're right truths yeah it's never really been articulated like he's never talked about like the inerrancy of scripture or like what he believes about what the cross accomplished or, or whatever we've never gotten there but um yeah here's the thing you guys i wish i liked the music more like, I want to like this guy. Like, I do. And I, I wish I was really fired up about the music. But I, even when I was faking being into U2 in, like, the early 90s and the late 80s just to, to look cooler, like, I never really was in on it. I would sit in my room and listen to, like, uh, Rattle and Hum and sort of... The pathology was I'm sitting there in my little rocking chair in my little room and, like, trying to talk myself into it, you know? I'm like, this is cool, right? Like, I like this. Pride in the name of love. This is great. I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm I'm in. You know, um, but I was never in. Is the problem? I think I like his music. Yeah. I don't like it enough to. I'm, he's not on my playlist. Yeah. All of the time, or they aren't. Yeah. Um, I think I listen to them because we talked about doing this episode mm-hmm. um, back in November, December. Mm-hmm. Um, so I listen to some of their albums, and it's good music. I think yeah. if I can step back objectively, I can, I yeah. can easily say that it makes sense that a lot of people yeah. like it. Yeah, um, it's just for whatever reason doesn't quite. Yeah, I always filed it under good, like good music that I'm not into, yeah. which is a lot of people, right? I mean, that's most bands, if we're being honest. Like, I, I'm not into everybody, but um, yeah, I sent to what they were trying to do. They did it very well. Yeah. Last question, Trudes. We're going to start with you on this one. Um, what's the trajectory? Self-parody, <laughs> death. Continued artistry. Those are the selections. What's the what's the trajectory? <laughs> so I think we've hinted at this already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's self parody. Yeah. And in fact, I'd say we're all we've already been there for a little while. We've been there for like a decade, maybe a decade plus. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're neck deep in the self parody yeah. at this mm-hmm. point. It's it's self parody until he dies. <laughs> yeah. Unless something changes, but that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. You know, he 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 put in his time. He's kind of earned his stripes. He can be. Yeah. He can be self-parody of Bono at this point. But I don't think there's anything that illustrates any better where he's at right now than that uh, his choices in terms of things outside of music. So last year I went to see a movie with my family um, <laughs> called Sing 2. Okay. It is the sequel to Sing. Uh-huh. Um, Matthew McConaughey voices a koala. Yeah. Um, and in it, Bono plays a singing lion who was mm-hmm. a big star in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Has quit making original music, oh. and then comes back yeah. for a legacy show with this like <laughs> up and coming artist who like adores him. I love it. I love it. That's literally self parody. Like, yeah, it, it is him. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a it's a certain kind of like I'm in on the joke self parody. Like I had a similar experience where I went to see this '80s Christian hair metal band called Striper. And Striper was like, in the 80s, they were wearing like yellow tights and like no shirt, but a clerical collar. Like they were just going for it over the top. So I went to see like middle-aged Striper. And the first and largest question that I had was, do they get the joke about themselves? And if so, it's going to be a really fun night. And they did. And it was a fun night. 
And they were kind of making jokes about tights and like being old rock stars and stuff and playing the hits. And it was real fun for everybody. So I think Bono can deliver that. But I'm going to zag on this one a little bit. And I'm going to say they've been laying low here for a while, right? You haven't you haven't heard as much about, I mean, dude, swing a cat in any direction in 2023. Everybody's an activist, right? Like everybody's an activist poet or an activist whatever. So his shtick is not as singular as it used to be. I think they're going to lay in the weeds for another couple years. I think that as a band, they have one more album full of heaters in them. I think they're going to put out a record and it's going to kind of be like, we're back to doing music and it might rip, dude. It might be awesome. That's what I would like to see trajectory wise from you too. I think they have it in them and I'm, I would be here for it. Your thoughts. I agree. I actually was going to say that. Okay. I, I think there's a distinct possibility that, I don't know, you can only do one thing for so long. And I, yeah. I have a feeling that there yeah. might be, I don't even, I don't, might not even be an album. Yeah. There might be just something. That Dude, you they make a song for a movie. Like, yeah. you know, they, 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 Paramount puts out like Top Gun 3 in a year and a half and U2 does the like the title, the title track yes. and, uh, and it rips, dude. It goes so hard and everybody's like, oh, you yeah. too, they're back. It kind of coheres with like Tom Cruise and Maverick being back and the whole thing. I, c- I could see it. Yeah, I yeah. think there's going to be something like that. Maybe they get a song in the summer. Something goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe movie. Maybe they get an Oscar yeah. for doing a song in a movie. Yeah. Um, which I actually just remembered. My One of my first, like, one of the first times I really knew that Bono was famous mm-hmm. was my parents got me this, like, Oscar book. And it mm-hmm. was like, every year that the Oscars happened, it was like, here's who won, here's yeah. who's nominated, and it had like little stories in it. What an awesome thing, by the way. So yeah. much fun. Uh, especially for a young kid. Yes. The films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember, I didn't really know much about U2, and I just read like, the best original song that year, it was like early 2000s, it went to Eminem. Yeah. He wasn't at the show because he didn't care about it. Right, right. Um, and everyone thought U2 was going to win. Yeah. That was the first time I, I, I think that was like right when they started being very much washed. Yeah. Um, yeah. They made a song for a Scorsese flick. Yep. It kind of showed up. Yeah. This is the. This is our big moment. Yeah. Goes yeah. to Eminem, who's like. He's back in Detroit. Yeah. yeah back at Eight Mile. Yeah. 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 That was probably the Eight Mile year. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Which, you know, that was a record full of heaters. Like he had every. You know, Eminem did every right to win for that. But uh, yeah, no, you're right, Alcazar. And and I think I would like to think of Bono as like kind of being in the cave right now with the boys, like coming up, coming up with the last great ride, you know? Um, yeah, stirring the pot. Yeah, they're cooking. They're, they're cooking. They're pushing themselves a little bit. And uh, they're, they're back to their roots. Dude, maybe they even go back to like Ireland and they record the whole thing in pubs or whatever. And, and they just go for it. I'd be into that. Dude, that's me I'd with like my that. producer hat on. Like I'm, I'm kind of into it too, dude. Hey, Bono should give you a call. He should give me a little piece of the action financially <laughs> if that's what they end up doing. <laughs> so I, I think if they had to come back, I, I agree with you guys. I think that's how it would have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also with you guys in that I've never truly been into the music, but I will say like, that's probably what works best for them is even with their movies, the best ex- or with their music, the best experiences that I've had with their music is when it's been in movies. Yeah. Because it works well. It that. does, dude. It's big. It's anthemic. Exactly. It's everything you want a movie song to be. Exactly. Um, so it could work for them. It's a nice little intersection of what works. It could. And this show, boys, is a nice little intersection of what works. Two young guys, one old guy. We, we all love talking about Bono. You guys have dads, so you're conversant in Bono, whether you want to be or not. And uh, I enjoyed this one. This was one that I had, like, 
circled on my on my schedule. Like if if I was an athlete, this would be the rivalry game, right? I had Bono circled. I was excited about it. Uh, it delivered. It was a fun experience. Uh, boys, we've done what we always do, and that we've wandered to and fro throughout some rock star things. And we'll be back, and we will see you 